Come on, everyone. Hey, would you give it up for downtown? Yes. Awesome, awesome. Hey, give someone a high five as you sit down, a hug, fist bump. Come on. We are so excited to be here with you all today. It's an exciting day. Do I have any excited people in the room? Come on. That's right. You lost that hour of sleep, but you guys have come to the 1115 energized, ready to go. You should have seen our early service today. It was amazing. It was amazing. We had a great time. And I'm excited. There's a lot of things happening in the life of our church that are just so exciting right now. In fact, past weekend, I want to tell you about, um, we had some students who went on an amazing retreat with all of our youth leaders and youth pastors, and it was so cool to see what God did. In fact, there was 151 students that went on this trip, okay, south and downtown included, and they had three coach buses, but check this out. I heard that over a dozen students gave their life to Christ for the first time. Come on. It's what it's all about. So exciting to hear that. So thankful for that. In fact, I know that um, Pastor Jason and Brandy, our downtown campus pastors down there, are not here today. But I want to tell you this. In 21 days, I was told by Jason, in 21 days, that our downtown campus is going to be in their new facility. It's so exciting. We're moving to Scott's Edition, everyone. We're going to be one of the very few churches in that community. It's going to be so cool to see what God does. I know there's so much planning and preparation going into that. So thankful for our leaders and all the things that have brought us to this moment and to this day. We're so excited about it. But hey, today I'm really excited to wrap up our series. Um, Pastor Brandon, our lead pastor, is not here today. But I want to tell you this. I'm excited to wrap up the series, but he'll be back next week. And he's going to start a brand new series. It's going to be taking us all the way through Easter And it's going to be a great one that actually in some form or fashion, as a group, we're going to be able to participate in and sharing some of our stories and our testimonies. But I'll tell you, Easter Sunday is an amazing time to invite people to church. And so just know that your invitation just paves a way for what God wants to do in the lives of people around you. Listen, more people are more ready than we realize to be invited to church, more ready than we realize to be evangelized to. So do that Easter Sunday. We're starting a new series next week. It's going to be great. But hey, I'm going to wrap up the series on relation slips. Anybody been enjoying the series so far? Come on, it's been great. I'm excited for this one because today I get to talk about David and Goliath. Come on. Amazing story in the Bible that we see time and time again. I mean, people know this story from all over on ESPN. It's used in so many different ways as an illustration in basketball and football and business. David and Goliath is a story that everyone knows about We've been talking about the life of David throughout this series. David has been this man of great passion, uh, this, this king, probably one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had, a great warrior, a great shepherd. We also learned in this series that David actually committed some great acts of disobedience towards God, that he committed adultery and to cover up, he committed murder. But even in the ups and downs, the highs and lows of David's life, you can learn so much through the Bible, through the Psalms, through First and Second Samuel about David. But I want you to know, even in the highs and lows of life, this is the phrase that was used for David, okay? He was called a man after God's own heart. Because even in the moments where he messed up and screwed up, even in the moments where he might not sense God's presence with him, he always was pursuing the things of God in his life. And I want us to know today that David left a huge mark on us As a church, as a culture, we begin to see what Jesus did through his life and what he's continuing to do through our lives today. And so today I want to talk about David and Goliath. And I know you might be in the room, you're like, all right, come on, I know this story, right? I knew this story in Sunday school. 
Come on, I feel like I can come up there and preach that story. David and Goliath, right? David gets on the battlefield. He gets those five smooth stones. He gets his sling out. He swings it around. He cracks it and hits Goliath in the head. And then Goliath goes down, right? We know how this story ends. And how many know that sometimes it's easy to like enter the battle when you know how the story ends? Come on, right? Anybody in the room that needs to know how something ends right before it begins? Anybody? I'm kind of that person. And in fact, do I have any Amazon Prime shoppers in the room? Come on, raise your hand. If you see something you want, it comes fast to your door. My wife loves to order things from Amazon Prime, and I will come home, and there will be boxes on the front porch, and I'll be like, what is this thing that you bought today? In fact, I came home from a little vacation break. Bridget, on our holiday this Christmas, had been ordering some things because there was all these great sales, you know, all these great percentages off, and I come home to this picture. Check this out right here. On my porch. I'm like, what did you do when we were away? And so, you know, my, 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 uh, my wife loves to tell stories, right? And I know in our marriage, this isn't always the best thing because I'm not always up for drama, right? And like understanding the discounts and how all these things came to be. Here's what I want to know. I want to know how much did it cost, right? Like just tell me how, I know all the discounts and all the amazing like coupons and that, but just tell me how much it costs. And sometimes for us, it's just easy to know the end result before we enter into the conversation, before we enter into the battle. And I know for us in this room, many of us knew or know 1 Samuel 17. So we know how the story ends, but I want to pose this today. You ready? David didn't know how the story was going to end that day. David didn't know 1 Samuel 17 because it was actually being written in the moment. And today I want to talk about the perspective that David had when he stepped up to this giant. I want to talk about the battlefield. I want to talk about everything that surrounded that moment. I want to give us some fresh perspective on it because I want you to know today that when David came to that battle, he came with an advantage. He came with an advantage that was so different than any other person that was on the battlefield that day. David came with a great advantage when he stepped up to this giant. And the advantage was this. It was not his technique in battle. It was not how skilled he was. His advantage was this. He was a man that knew how to trust the Lord. He was a man that had great faith and trust and confidence in the Lord's abilities way beyond his own abilities. So today, as we're talking about giants, I want giants to symbolize in your life anything that's coming against you right now. Look, we're going to jump right into it today because I want you to know today there's a lot of things, no matter if you're a believer or not, there's a lot of things that can come against us. And I want you to know today, today, giants are going to symbolize anything right now that's causing friction in your life, anything that right now that's coming against you, anything that's been a stronghold, anything that's causing resistance in your life right now has been a design from the enemy because we have a great adversary. John 10.10 10 says that the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life to the fullest. We have this great adversary. And I want you to know your enemy, check this out, your enemy is not your husband, okay? Okay, husbands, your enemy is not your wife, all right? It's not your kids, it's not your boss. There's a strategic enemy out there trying to distract us and trip us up and keep us from living in our full potential of what God has for us. In fact, we had a great First Wednesday speaker this past week, and he spoke an amazing message. You can find it online, but in his message, he said this. He says, listen, we need to stop worshiping our worry and start worshiping Jesus. Come on. It's true. And it's easy for us to be faced with obstacles. It's easy for us to be confronted with different things that are I, are strategically put there to trip us up. And what happens is, is we begin to change our mindset when we face a giant. But I want you to know that 
You may be up against the wall with something right now. David was up against the wall that day. But here's the thing. David had a very different relationship with the Goliath than everybody else on that battlefield that day. And I really believe that David's relationship with Goliath was completely in response to David's relationship with the Lord. And I want you to know that all of our relationships in life are a result of this relationship right here. All of the health or all of the unhealth, the dysfunction or the smoothness or the peace or how we deal with conflict or how we deal with adversity, all of it is contingent on our relationship with the Father. And David, that day, had the advantage. In fact, I want you to know that every single person in this room, every single person across both of our campuses, I want you to hear this today, you were born for victory. Listen, I want you to turn to your neighbor, say that. Say, I was born for victory. Come on, say, I was born for victory. You know, sometimes you got to remind yourself of that. Sometimes you have to recognize that you actually are more than conquerors, that you actually are victorious, that you actually have the ability and the power and the authority to conquer the things that are put in front of you. And everybody on that battlefield had the ability to do that that day. But here's the thing. Every believer, may, every believer may have the advantage, and the armies of Israel may have even had that advantage too. But here's the thing. Very few act on it. Very few actually walk in the advantage that they have. And I want you to understand this and write this down today. And I think this is huge, and we see it in the life of David. Your advantage is only as great as your awareness. Your advantage is only as great as your awareness. That day, David stepped up on the battlefields. And the truth is this. It's not that he had a different advantage than the Israelites when it came to war, right? He wasn't even a soldier. He was just a shepherd boy. He didn't have a different advantage in his technique and his skill. If anything, those soldiers actually had a greater advantage when it came to how they warred. But the truth is this. He had the greater advantage because he was aware of the God that was with him. And he walked in that confidence. And sometimes we've got to shift our focus away from who we are fighting against to who is actually fighting for us. And today what I'd like to do in 1 Samuel 17 is I'd like to jump into the story right in the middle where Goliath comes out. This is after the fact that David gets to the battlefield. And in 1 Samuel 17, 8 through 10, here's how it starts. It says that Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all the Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. They are greatly afraid. Let's pray over the word of God today. Come on, let's do that. God, we thank you so much, Lord, just for your word, for your truth. No matter how many times we hear stories that are similar and familiar, the truth is this, God, you're constantly revealing fresh revelation to us. So today, God, I pray that you would reveal fresh revelation to every single person that's hearing this word, that we would recognize, God, that the battle is the Lord's, the battle is not mine, that you're not finished yet, God, that you know my story, you know our story, God. You've been writing it since the dawn of time. And so, Jesus, today, I pray that we would recognize the strength that we find in you against any adversity, against any giant, against any trial that comes our way. In the name of Jesus, we say, come on, amen. Amen. Listen, Goliath was the real deal. He was a big dude, and the way the battle would work in the ancient times, a lot of times, instead of them fighting, they would line up their armies and they would send one guy out and another guy out. But on this day, they sent the biggest dude out. He was nine foot two inches. He was a big guy. 
He was taller than most people were, and he carried armor on him that was just so heavy. In fact, it says that his armor, like what he wore, his helmet, and everything he was wearing that day was about 125 pounds. That even the tip of his spear weighed about 15 pounds. This dude was the real deal. And he stood up there, and he began to defy the ranks of Israel. But you back up the story, David woke up that day not on the battlefield. David actually woke up that day at home looking after the sheep. He was doing the ordinary. He was doing his everyday, day-to-day task. He was doing what was expected of him. And he never knew that that day when he woke up, he would be facing one of the largest challenges of his entire life. His father says to him, David, I want you to take this food and I want you to bring it to your brothers who are on the battlefield. You know, if David didn't choose to do that that day, if he was like, you know what, I don't feel like doing that, Dad. In fact, and as the story goes, and we've heard through the series, he can be like, look, I've been rejected by you. People don't like me in my house. You guys don't even call me into the house when you're lining up all the brothers. I'm not even a part of the family. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go do that. I'm going to stay right here. If David would have had an attitude like that, he might have missed out on one of the most amazing events of his life. And I want you to know this today, and I think it's so important. And here's the truth is this. Ready? When you miss out on the ordinary, when you don't do the ordinary, when you don't do the mundane, when you don't go through the motions and be faithful to little things, you can miss out on the extraordinary events of your life. And sometimes just waking up and making your bed is one of the most important things that you can actually do. Sometimes waking up and getting done the things that you need to get done and showing up to work on time is probably one of the most significant things that you can do in that moment. Because you got to know if you're faithful in the little things, God's going to bring the greater things in your life. And so the story continues and David is there on the field, and he says, who is this giant that's talking this way? Now, remember, the Israelites have been hanging there for 40 days. Every day they're showing up, and they're more and more afraid. They're more entrenched in their fear day after day. And David shows up for the first time. He's not been a part of this at all. And he's like, what is going on? Who is this guy defiling the Israelites and the Lord our God? Saul hears about David. And he says, bring that man to me. I want to talk to him. David shows up. Saul's expecting something so different. And David shows up as this 17-year-old farm boy. And Saul says to him, you are only a boy. You're only a boy. Listen, teenagers in the room, I want you to know this today. So many amazing things happen to people that were in their teenage years in the scriptures. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you are insignificant or that you're not good enough because I want to tell you this right now. A 17-year-old boy stood to King Saul and convinced King Saul to send him in the game. He was like, coach, let me at him. I want to get in the game with this guy. And so for whatever reason, he convinced Saul and Saul says to him, okay, you have to wear this and you have to wear that. But here, I want you to see this. When David was talking to him in 1 Samuel 17, 34, David actually says this. He says, listen, King Saul, you might think I'm a boy, but your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. And your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I want you to know today there's three things I want you to write down. Whenever you're facing adversity, whenever you're facing giants, whenever there's things that are coming against you, here's the first thing you've got to remember and remind yourself of, and that's this, is that God is faithful. God is faithful. 
In fact, Saul says to him, David, you're only a boy. How could you do this? And he says, wait a second. Let me tell you what God has brought me through. Let me tell you the ways that God has actually moved and worked in my life. When I was watching the sheep, there was this lion that came out and took one of my flock. And I went after that flock and I took that lion down and I took that bear down. Here's how God has been with me, Saul. In fact, he said to him, listen, Saul, the same God that I brought to the valley on that day is the same God I'm going to bring to the valley this day. And sometimes what we have to do is we have to remember what God has brought us through. And David that day was remembering what God had done in his life, but the Israelites had forgotten. They had forgotten all the things that God had did. I want you to know you can't let anything stand in your way and oppose the purposes of God inside of you. The different things, the attacks that come your way, the different things that mess with your head, the different things that trip you up, what they're trying to do is they're trying to take your focus off of God. They're trying to take your focus off of his promises, off of the things that he's done. And the Israelites had forgotten that day because they were standing face to face with this giant. And they forgot that their ancestors were freed from Egypt. That when they came to the Dead Sea, the Red Sea, and it was parted, they forgot about the time when they came to the waters that were bitter in Moran, and they were turned to sweet. About the time when Moses hit the rock and water came forth from it or when the manna came and the quail was provided for them. They forgot all the things that God had just done because they were shaking in their boots because of fear. In fact, a few chapters earlier in this book, 1 Samuel, before Saul was even king, the, Phil- the Philistines were defeated by Israel. They already had a battle just a few chapters earlier, but here they are faced with this great giant, and they forgot everything that God had done. In our life, we've got to practice remembering the things that God has done. We have to practice reminding ourselves the things that God has done, because when you forget to remember all the things that God has done, when you're faced with adversity, when you're faced with challenge, your fear begins to rise, and your faith begins to decrease. David was great at this. In fact, in Psalms 103, I love this. In Psalms 103, David is even saying this one phrase. He's telling himself, bless the Lord, O my soul. David was constantly reminding himself of the things that God did. He says, listen, bless the Lord, O my soul. He said it multiple times, almost as if he's like, I may not feel it right now. I may be afraid. I may be in doubt. But the truth is this, God, you've done some great things in my life. I don't want to forget the benefits that you've done. You're the one who forgives me of all my iniquity and heals me of all my disease, who redeems my life from the pit, who crowns me with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies me with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. David was constantly reminding himself of the things that God had done. And I want you to know in this room, you have to be on the regular reminding yourself of the faithfulness and what God has brought you through. And sometimes you just have to think about it. And you have to say, okay, I know I'm faced with this right now, but let's think about what has God actually brought me through? Because sometimes when an obstacle presents itself in front of you, it's easy easy for you to forget that God was actually in your yesterday. That he was there with you when you went through all the things that you went through. Those promises that God are in the word. And I really believe that David was somebody that he gathered his confidence from his time spent with the Lord. That he was someone that regularly went to the Father and spent time listening to the things that God had to say to him. And I'll tell you that even in my own life, when I miss a day or a couple of days or even a week at times, man, my peace can just go right out the window. Stress, anxiety, worry, doubt, frustration, small conflicts, 
little petty arguments here or there with my wife or whatever the case may be, they are heightened more when I'm pulled back and further away from the Father. David walked that day in such great confidence, and I believe that his relationship with Goliath was completely in in relationship to his relationship with God. And instead of approaching Goliath the same way that all the Israelites did that day, in fear, he came and he approached it confidently, recognizing that the battle wasn't his, but the battle is actually the Lord's. So David gets his shot with Goliath. He convinces Saul. He steps into battle, and Saul's like, all right, I need to equip you. I need to get you ready. You're going to wear this. You're going to wear that. you got to put this on. you got to put that on. And David's like, I can't wear this stuff. I'm not used to this. I don't know how to battle in this. This is not me. I'm a farm boy, not a soldier. I'm going to do it my way. And so he gets his sling. He gets his five smooth stones, and he gets to the battlefield, and he looks at Goliath square in the face. And you got to see he's doing this in front of so many Israelites that for all these days had been doing the same thing, but no one had the courage or the confidence to do what David did. I want you to know sometimes you can get comfortable in your dysfunction. How many know that? Sometimes you can just get used to the way things are, and you can come to a place and you can forget the fact that I was born for victory. And I want you to know, church, this is real stuff we're talking about. Like we're not, we're not, just, we're not just here to attend church. We're here to recognize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We're here to recognize that the same power that rises Christ from the dead not lives inside of me, that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Like these are true statements. They're not just stories we tell ourselves to cope with the stresses and the pain of life. And so David in 1 Samuel 17, 45, he faces the giant. And this is what he says to him, this 17-year-old farm boy. He says, check this out. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give you the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Check this out. When we're facing our giants, not only do you need to know that God is faithful, we have to be reminded daily today that God is with us, that we are not alone. Listen, no matter what you're facing, what that giant or obstacle is in your life, I want you to know the battle is the Lord's. It is not your battle. And when the battle is the Lord's, I mean he is a God that's going to walk with you no matter what you're facing, no matter what is happening, no matter what the agenda is or the circumstance. He's never going to leave you high and dry. He's never going to leave you high and dry, ever. In fact, this is why I love the idea of the incarnation of God, right? A God becoming flesh. In Philippians 2, it talks about a God who didn't consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but came as a, as a bondservant, right? And was obedient to death and even death on the cross. This, we're talking about a God who got on his hands and knees and washed the feet of the disciples. This is a God that wants to get in the mess of your life with you. He's not going to leave you high and dry. And whatever you're facing and whatever that giant is that's coming against you, I want you to know you are not alone in this. That he is with you. He's a God that is with us. I love how David says it here. He starts off and he's like this. Listen, this day, giant, check this out. This day, the Lord is going to conquer you. He says, the, not me. The Lord is going to conquer you. He, he lets him know right off the bat, it's not me doing this, it's you. But then he shifts gears and he goes, but I'm going to kill you. He says, the Lord's going to conquer you, but check this out. I'm going to kill you. You know, in my life, I've realized this. There's a lot of things that God has conquered that I have still yet to kill. 
There's a lot of things in our lives that God has conquered. Listen, I love when we get to Easter, we talk about this term like it is finished. And it's true, it is finished. What Jesus did on the cross is done and it cannot be undone. But let me tell you this, we still have a part to play and a job to play. And the things that are trying to conquer us, we have to go out and kill. And we have to go out and attack. And we have to recognize that greater is he, as it says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Like this is something you actually can do. And a lot of times the enemy gets in our head and tries to keep this repeat of dysfunction going on. You can't do this. You can't do this. Can you see the size? Can you see how big that individual is? Can you see how big that obstacle is? You cannot do this. And what happens is until we take that step to meet that giant out and head on in the field, we get comfortable with our dysfunction. Listen, I think it's so important for us to really recognize that God is real. Maybe you're in the room and you're like, man, I have a story or a time when I recognize that God was real. Or maybe you're in the room today and you're like, I've never really experienced God in a real way. I know who he is. I understand the Bible, but I've never really encountered God. I want you to know that you can encounter God because God is a real God and he is here and he wants to be encountered by you and he wants to have a real relationship with you and he wants to walk with you daily. I remember one of the first times I really like, recognized that God was real in my life. I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. My father's an inner city church planner. He's still there today. And, you know, I, I was just raised with, like, Bible, right, in church. And I, I just kind of knew the language and went through the motions and, and could play the part, if you will. But there was this one mark in my life where it really shifted from here to here. And it was actually in my third year of college. I had to do an internship. And on this internship, I was studying to be a pastor at the time. On this internship, I had to go work at a church of my choice. And I decided to go work at a church in Concord, North Carolina, okay? This city boy going to Concord, North Carolina. See, I had done my undergrad in Florida, and I thought Florida was the South. But let me tell you, Florida is not the South. It's just like the Northeast, just like on the bottom of the United States, right? That's really all it is. North Carolina, that's the South, okay? That's right. And so I pick it. This large church in Concord, North Carolina, I get to do a lot of different things in this internship. I get to preach, I get to teach, I get to help out with youth ministry, with worship, all this stuff. I have to do a gamut of things. And so part of the plan is that they connect you with this host home, and this host home, like, takes care of you. They watch over you the whole entire time that you're there. And, um, you know, they, they just are part of your life in that internship, which is pretty exciting. I've heard stories of other pastors that are still connected to their host home and their internship, and it's just great experience. So I jumped on the train in Manhattan and Penn Station, and I took the train down to North Carolina. It was an 11-hour trip. I still remember it. I got there at 11 o'clock at night, and, and I met this guy on the team there that I didn't know, never met him before. He's like, are you Joel? I'm like, yeah, I'm Joel. And he's like, hey, listen, I want to let you know there's been a change of plans. And I can still remember him saying that in the moment. I was like, all right. Hey, it's an internship. I got to be flexible. I got to understand. Hey, got to go with the flow. He's like, your host home that we provided for you can't fulfill the responsibilities this summer. They had something come up. But listen, we got a whole other plan for you. You're going to be in your own place. And I'm like, man, this is great. I get to be in my own place. Little did I know, the church actually like owned a cabin in the woods on like a campsite. And that's what he was talking about. So I get in the car with this guy and we're driving. All right. So we're driving. And like, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. And I don't really know if there has really been a change of plans. <laughs> and then he takes like this left turn down this dirt road. And he's like driving down the dirt road. And I get to like this cabin in the woods. I'm like, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. It's like a scary movie in reality. Listen, you put me in the streets of New York, I'm good to go. You put me in the woods, I'm going to freak out, all right? So I get to this like house in the woods, this cabin in the woods, and we walk inside. I'm telling you, you can't make this stuff up. Like I walk inside and there's like a mattress on the floor, no box spring, no frame. There's a table with one chair. 
there's a rotary like phone on the wall. Come on, you remember those rotary phones? Yellow. I don't know why they're always yellow, but this one, like, you know, just yellow. And I get in this house and I'm like, I'm like thinking, like, this is this is not for real. Like, I'm not staying here. And and like he turns to me and he's like, listen, man, we're really excited to have you. Church is in two days, so I'll pick you up Sunday morning. See you in two days. And he leaves. And listen, I'm man enough to admit, I cried that night, okay? Like, this is, this is the real deal. I couldn't make any phone calls. Like, wireless internet wasn't working. I tried to call my time, uh, at the time, Bridget was my fiance, and I tried to call her on the rotary phone, and I put all the numbers in, and it's like, um, sorry, you cannot make outside calls. Like, no long-distance calls on this. And so I'm sitting there that night realizing I can't even communicate to my family that, like, I'm safe. But I'll tell you, like, that experience that summer, I spent like two and a half months in that routine. I went to this house and I did my internship. I'd come back and I had nothing. I just had just alone time. And it really did something to me because it made me realize that my conversation with God is actually two-sided. It's not one-sided. It's not just me talking to God. It's actually God talking to me. And what wasn't happening in my life was I had so many distractions, so many things I was focusing on, even good things, right? Like even the future, and I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to get married. All, the, all these things were just distracting me that I was losing sight of a God who was actually with me. Yeah, I picked up this book while I was actually there. It's called Practicing the Presence of God, written by this author, Brother Lawrence. And in this book, I learned through that season that you can actually encounter the presence of God no matter where you're at or what you're doing, that God is real and he's alive and he's well. And I want you to know today in this room that God is with you. David knew that God was with him and he had encounters with God because he was intentional about spending time with God and he eliminated the distractions and his source of strength was not in his abilities, was not in his might. In fact, on paper, he should have went down so quick in that battle, but the reason why he prevailed was because he was a man that knew God was with him. I want you to know that not only is God faithful in your yesterday, he's faithful in your today. It's not just about what God has done, it's actually about what God is doing in your life. And so David comes and he runs to the battlefield and he sees Goliath and Goliath runs towards him and he takes out that sling as we know the story goes and he whips it around and he cracks Goliath in the head and 1 Samuel 17, 50 says this, it says that David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and check this out, without a sword. He didn't have any sword. He had a sling and a stone in his hand. And he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. I want, to, I want you to check this out. The third thing today that I want you to know when you're facing adversity and you're facing a trial is this, is that God is the one who equips you. He is the one that prepares you. And you may show up not having the things that you need, but the only thing you need is the preparation that God has provided for you. You see, David had been victorious before with the lion and the bear. God had been preparing him all along with those different stories and scenarios. He had been preparing him for this battle, even though David didn't recognize this battle was happening because he woke up that day not knowing he was going to step into the biggest battle of his life. But see, God had been preparing him all along the way. Even that moment when he felt rejection from his father, when all the sons lined up, just one chapter earlier, all the sons lined up, and Samuel the prophet was going to see who was going to be king. David wasn't even on the line. He was still out in the backyard tending the sheep. Can you imagine the heartbreak and the rejection a son would receive when he wasn't even called in to be represented as one of the sons? I want you to know, even in your heartache, even in your worst days, God doesn't waste anything. God is with you in rejection. 
He's with you in depression. He's with you in anxiety. He's with you in uncertainty about the future and what the future is going to hold. And sometimes what you have to do is you have to shift away from the focus, the different things that are trying to distract you off of the greatness that God has inside of you to recognize that God is the one who actually equips you. God is preparing you for today for what you're going to face tomorrow. And instead of running away from it, today God is calling you and he's telling you to run towards it. He wants you to run towards it. He doesn't want you just to go through the motions and just come to church and just go through and just check off the boxes. He wants you to recognize that there's greatness inside of you and you have the ability to achieve some amazing things in your life because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He is working that in and through our lives. And so David runs and he slays Goliath and Spoiler alert, right? Like we read, Goliath falls. Plot twist. It's done. Like we know this, but here's what happens sometimes is we will leave it at 1 Samuel 17, verse 50, and that's it. Story's over. We're done. We can go home. But I want you to know, David had to finish the job. God conquered Goliath, but David killed Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, 51, you see this picture, right? David knocked down the giant. He's wondering, you know what? Is he really dead? Maybe he's just stunned. I need to make sure that this job is complete and finished. And he runs up to that Philistine. He jumps on him. It says that he took the sword out of his sheath, Goliath's own sword. He took the sword out of the sheath, and he took it up, and he cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, it says that they fled. I want you to understand this. You ready? The sword that came to kill David is the same sword that delivered him. The same sword that came to kill David ended up being the same sword that delivered him. You may not feel equipped in whatever you're facing. I want you to know God is equipping you. In fact, I wrote this down today, and I think it's so important. I want you to see this. The very thing that was meant to destroy you may be the thing God uses to deliver you. The thing that you're facing that is out to destroy you may be the thing that's going to help you conquer whatever's coming tomorrow. And so instead of shrinking back, we have to run forward and towards the things that are facing us. You know, at the end of this internship, something really strange happened to me. In the mornings, I used to love waking up and whistling. I don't know, maybe two and a half months in a cabin by yourself with just God makes you want to whistle in the morning. I don't know. For some reason, I really enjoyed waking up whistling in the morning. And I remember this one particular morning, I woke up and I, I tried whistling and it came out like this. It was like, <laughs> like I couldn't whistle. And I was like, that's weird. And a couple hours later, I noticed that my face was like, like droopy. And then I, a few hours after that, like the right side of my face was completely paralyzed. And I had gone to the doctor. It was, it was like, a, I don't know if it was Saturday or Sunday. I'd gone to the doctor and they did a bunch of tests on me. They couldn't figure out what it was, but they diagnosed me with Bell's palsy. And I remember going into to the office the next day and, and the, some of the team was there and the lead pastor and they're like, so what's going on? Like, like, what is up, man? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's up. In fact, it's kind of discouraging because they said that it could be stress-related, you know? And I remember the pastor looked at me in the face. He goes, boy, I want you to know this. If you can't handle this internship and you can't handle the stress of ministry, then you need to do something different. And he said it to me so hard and fast. I remember it hitting me so hard because I was like, man, I've been preparing my whole life for this. Maybe I can't handle ministry. Maybe I can't handle being a pastor. Maybe I can't handle the stressors of what's to come. A week and a half later, I left and I went home back to New York. 
And as soon as I went home, I went to the doctor, and the doctors immediately were like, listen, we think we know what it is, and so we're going to test you for Lyme disease. And so immediately they tested me for Lyme disease. It came up positive, and they realized that I had actually been bitten by a tick when I was in my internship there, and that's why I had Bell's palsy. It had nothing to do with stress. It had to do with the fact that I had Lyme disease. And with some medication, it cleared up so fast, and everything was good to go. You know, this day I think about this a lot. If I would have, if I would have had that Bell's palsy at the beginning of the summer and left and went home, I may not be standing here with you today. Because those words that the pastor said into my life that day were so strong and so hard. But the fact that it happened at the end of the internship, I knew that his words weren't final, but God's words were final. And I want you to know that my story wasn't over. Your story's not over. That God is still working a work inside of your life. And no matter what you're facing today, no matter what's come against you today, I want you to know the battle is the Lord's and he is the one that fights for you. He's the one that's been faithful. He's the one that goes before you. He's the one that's with you today and nothing that's come against you, no uncertainty, no trial, no trouble, no depression, no anxiety, will have victory over you in the name of Jesus. You believe that today? Come on. I'm going, to wrap, I'm going to wrap it up right here, but I want to just end with this psalm. Because a few years later, after this scene, David writes one of the most amazing psalms ever. Psalms 23. This is years after his fight with Goliath. And he says this in Psalms 23. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul for his namesake. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And then he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. David was in a cave writing the psalm, and he was running from another adversary. And whenever I read that, I think about the moment that when David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, he could actually write that because he had walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And I want you to know today that whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going through, God is preparing you for tomorrow. But what you're facing today, he's already equipped you for yesterday. And so as you leave this place today, we're going to leave in a sense of victory that we serve a God that has done and delivered us in the yesterday. He's delivering us in the today, and he's delivering us in the tomorrow. Would you stand with me today as we pray? Just a minute, we're going to get a chance to respond, and we're going to pray, and we're going to turn this over to our campus pastor downtown. And we're going to get a chance to respond to both of our campuses. But I want to pray over us today as we do that. Let's do that. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is not mine. The battle is yours, Father. May we recognize and know, Jesus, that it's not about me. It's about you. And that, God, no matter what obstacle I'm facing, no matter what trial I'm facing, Lord, no matter what circumstance that is on me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, that I was born for victory. God, I pray that people would recognize today as they leave that they are more than conquerors, that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength, that this is not about their ability, God, but it is about your ability, Father. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus, and everyone says, amen, 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 amen.